Well, welcome again, and uh, you might notice on your handout, in your worship guide, there's a sheet of paper that you could, like, take notes on. You may realize that's the wrong date because this talk was supposed to be, like, two weeks ago, Uh, and then it snowed, and our snow policy is if there's snow outside, check the website. By 7 a.m., we'll put up there whether we're having service or not, and if it looks like there's enough snow to peg one of the neighbors with a snowball right in the face. We'll have you stay home because we value connecting with your neighbors, like solid connection. But anyway, no, we, uh, we do value. It was fun. We hung out with a bunch of our neighbors sledding and just getting to know their stories and their life and, yeah, throwing snowballs and sledding and stuff. So it's a good time, but uh, we, we pretty much, when it snows and it's icy out and stuff, on a day like that, it's, it's really difficult to, to load all this stuff, we wheel it in and wheel it out every week, so it'd be crazy difficult and just like, why, right, on a snowy day? So, um, so we're, we're in Luke 1, and we finally get to jump into our second part of our journey through the book of Luke, which is all about the coming of Jesus now. And uh, we're going to start in verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Here's what just happened. Let me catch you up. Let me catch you up. In case you forgot or you've never read Luke, which could totally be the case. Both. So you have this book of Luke. It's a gospel. Luke is a doctor. He's like a very smart science, wired guy. He wants the facts. He wants the details. And so a guy named Theophilus is funding his research to prove for certain that Jesus is who he said he was, and and to record the Jesus story in detail so that you and I can know that all of what is accounted for in what's called the Gospels, in the, the center of our Bible, the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so that we could know that Jesus was not only just for the Israelites of the Old Testament, but now Jesus is for everybody. And so he's proving that for certain. So we get all these cool little details like this moment right here. So let's jump back in. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. At that time was the time right before she was just told by an angel that she was going to become pregnant with the Son of God as a teenager. Not yet married. Pledged to be married, but not yet married. So this is the moment. She takes off. Verse 40. Where she, when she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who's believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Man, there's a lot in this. We're going to look at four specific things today, but first before we jump into those four, 
There is a deep longing inside each of us, which is captured beautifully here in this story. It's the longing for connection with those who have like experience with God, or life experience, like experience in life. There's this longing for us to have genuine relationship. And it's cool in this moment, like Mary's not necessarily a part of a church here, and Elizabeth's not part of that same church. It's not like they were going to go to the small group of having met with an angel. You know, this is the small group. Uh, sign up for three weeks, you know. It's the group for people who've had an angel visit them and needed man diapers. You know, it's not that group. It's, the, it's a group, uh, you know, just, they just knew, Mary knew when an angel told her she was pregnant, uh, the angel as well expressed that her relative Elizabeth had become pregnant in her old age. And so she longed and hurried to go see her relative Elizabeth. We all have that yearning to not just hear and be inspired by the Word of God, but then to have a conversation about it. We've had a like experience together. Let's dialogue. How's life? What's happening? How is Jesus intersecting our story? How is our story glorifying Jesus and just having that conversation. Well, it's interesting. This is described in a few different places. Very cool in Scripture. I love Romans 1, 11 through 12. And, and there's a few passages that aren't in, on the bottom of your notes. So if, you, if you're a note taker and you want to study these passages throughout the week, jot these next two down because I've added to the message from a couple weeks ago because I've had a couple weeks to think about it. So it's like, you would have missed out a couple weeks ago if it weren't for that snow day. So here we go. Romans 1, 11 through 12 says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Boy, isn't that what we just witnessed in, in Luke there? Like Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when Mary said, Sup? right? And it was that moment just like, boom, there was encouragement. There was the power of God was there. Something was happening spiritually in that environment. Acts 2, 42 through 47 is a story. Again, the author's Luke, and he's recording the early church and how it all started and everything, and he describes it this way. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Our world today crowds out constant connection, like what's described here, doesn't it? Like every day they were doing church. Not only doing church, but they were hanging out and having a meal together. They were praying for each other's needs. They were connecting and serving and, and sharing life with one another on a constant basis, people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, all packed in this little 
moment recorded right at the beginning of the church. They didn't need an outline of how to do this. They just naturally did it. It was modeled for them by Jesus for three years before this moment, before they were filled with the Spirit of God. And nothing's changed in the makeup and the DNA inside of us. The outside context is different. The world we live in looks different, but we still are made in the image of God and have the same longings inside each one of us to not only be inspired and learn, have a like experience together, but yet then to have a relationship with one another and to build those relationships. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved as a result of their enjoying the teaching, the fellowship, the prayer, the praise, the generosity of one another. The fruit was just crazy. And God's promised us that the church should look even better than this today. Isn't that nuts? I'm just like, wow. We'll do even greater things than these. Unbelievable. So as a staff, you know, we We've been dialoguing and praying for, for quite a few months, and specifically in this new year, uh, our pastors get together, and we've been just talking about the fellowship piece, this connection piece, the relationship piece, if you would. In our city, in our world, you know, we're like busy. We're distracted. We're stressed. We get worried easy, right? And we're, we're just, we've got this pace going, and, and, but yet we have this need for relationship. We're always praying, man, there's got to be a higher value on relationship with those who've had like experience in the faith around us, because that will lead to our faith being encouraged, which will lead to people being led into a growing relationship with Jesus, and it'll result in praise to God to make way for that, to prioritize that on a higher scale. And we'll share more and more about that. We'll share today at Activate. Some of you are like, what's Activate? We, we every quarter are having a moment where we share uh, what is open life about. Really, if you would, maybe in another church it would be called like a 101 or like an introduction to membership. You don't have to become a member, but just like come and hear what open life's about, our vision mission. But as well, like how are we going to connect? How are we wired? What's behind this thing we do called open life, what's our why? The passion for people in our community and why are we so generous? Just these different things we'll dialogue about today at three. If you want to come, check the box on the back of your card. I think it's on the back of your card. If not, write it in, and, uh, but we'll get you directions and all that good stuff. We desire to know the thoughts. We desire to know and interact with you and really how you see relationships and connecting and in, in, in this coming together, breaking bread and praying with one another, where does that fit in the world we live in today? How is there space for that in your life? Start that dialogue because manufacturing that hasn't worked in the last four years of open life. And we think there's a very genuine way that it's going to begin and we're anticipating that. But we want you to join together with us in, in prayer for that. So here we are, back in the story. Mary hurries to Elizabeth. This young girl has to be courageous. Because as you open up, like, the geographical area of what was taking place here, where Mary heard from the, the angel and where Elizabeth was located in the hill country, this was a separation 
through a very dangerous terrain of about 100 miles. Can you imagine a teenage girl just going, hurrying along to Elizabeth? Some presume maybe she was in fear of shame. She's pregnant. She doesn't want people to know it. She's a teenager. She's not married. And so she's like, get out of town. But that's not the case. If you really dive down in, she was eager to see Elizabeth, her relative, to celebrate not only her pregnancy in her old age, but to share this story of what was promised her as well. And it's interesting because she doesn't get to share that story, does she? God downloads that into Elizabeth, as we'll talk about here in a second. This is no little adventure. Let me put this into perspective. Let's say there's no paved roads, and uh, you want to go see the Tulip Festival in Mount Vernon. And so you just pack up your backpack and go for it. Can you imagine? That's like not smart as a teenager, right? It's like Amber Alert. It's like that's what would happen, right? And so I, I'm going, man, you don't even, it's not like she had a, a, a duck tour vehicle and some Skittle power pellets to get there either. You know, she was like all on her own, on her feet, on a camel, on a horse, whatever. You know, she, she had 100 miles. This is crazy. And she was not running from something. She was running towards someone who's just had a like experience because the angel mentioned to her that her relative was with child as well in her old age hinted towards that same miracle in her body that was being done in Mary's. And I just can't help but think, like, that's a crazy commute to encounter God. Like, that is a crazy inconvenience in her schedule to have to go 100 miles through the hill country. And yet sometimes, you and I, let's admit, we wake up, our heated blanket, such a burden to, 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 you know, fold that back and get out of bed on a Sunday. You know, it's like, oh, the burden, I got to go to church, you know. It's like crazy. The kids are going nuts, and they're like, I'm tired. I don't feel good. My tummy. You know, it's like, that's our house. Um, and they're screaming at each other, and they want in the bathroom, you know. I'm not home for that moment usually on Sunday mornings. I just, I intercede for my wife, which means I pray for her continually, but not there with her, because I may kill the children on a Sunday morning. But anyway, that's what they're doing at home. And then we make this effort to come and celebrate in community what God has done in our life. It's hard because we have to get in our car. We have to buckle those kids' seats, or we have to buckle our seatbelt. You know, we have to drive out of the garage where our car is kept warm at night. And, and you know, and then we have, to, we have to drive all the way to Starbucks on our way here, spend $70 for everybody in the car, automatically reload our cards so we get stars and we can get a free drink when we hit 12, right? You know, it's like all these burdensome things we have to do to get to church. And, and then we finally make our way and we have to walk this long sidewalk and it's not quite level. It's awful. You know, so it's like, isn't that weird? How, like we can make this. It's so hard to get there. I'm just going to stay. Mary went a hundred miles. Unbelievable the longing, the hunger, 
to be together with those who are experiencing God as well is something that should like deeply challenge us. And when she fulfilled that journey is when we have illuminated to us some incredible truths, and, and, and it's your fill-in-the-blanks on your handout. So, so let's get to that part here. Um, boy, the first thing is the baby. The baby. We must give pause again here. I say again because at the beginning of the series we, we paused and kind of looked at some of my story uh, and, and how it parallels, I think, Elizabeth and Zechariah's story um, when, when the angel came to them and kind of relieved this burden of childlessness and barrenness and how my wife and I struggled having kids. And, and I really took that upon myself as it being my fault because how I came into a relationship with Jesus was, was reaching rock bottom in my life, which was finding out that my, my girlfriend or ex-girlfriend at the time had had an abortion and the, that it was my child. And the brokenness and the hurt and, and kind of questioning in myself that did, was I an accomplice in murder? What just happened there? You know, and processing that. And it took me years to forgive myself. Years. And yet, in this passage, the children in each other's womb, one newly pregnant and one probably about six months or less, are referred to as baby. The same word is used throughout Scripture, the same root word for baby. In Luke 2.2, as we'll study in the coming weeks, and in verse 16, the baby wrapped in clothes in the manger, same word. In Luke 18, 15 through 16, when children are coming to Jesus, and He's like, let the children come to Me, same word. It wasn't a pre-baby, an almost baby, a someday baby. It was a baby in the womb. And we live in a world that wants to communicate this is not true. (laughs) But it's true. That is not a clump of cells multiplying quickly inside a body. It's a baby. It's a life. It's a human. And we must treat it so and not embrace a complete devaluation of human life and the creative process of God. In the Bible, uh, there are so many revelations of this, and we just need to to, um, realize what the Bible says is, is very, very true today. We should love those who struggle with their pregnancy. We should seek justice of those who can't seek it for themselves. But we should do so in love. We should do so in a way of peace. We should do so with the same heart that God has for us. Not a heart of condemnation, but a heart of hope. Unfortunately, statistics tell us 
that one out of every six to seven pregnancies ends in abortion. You're going, wait, that's not a very, that's not as high of a stat as I thought. That's in the church. That's by those who claim that they follow Christ and the teachings of this very Bible that talks about these babies. Jesus-believing people. That statistic is according to Planned Parenthood. Just to be clear on where the Bible stands on the issue of life here, life is at conception. And any action taken to end such life is an act of murder. And you're like, oh, Thad, oh, whoa, Thad, that's harsh. Why are you on your pedestal? I'm not. I'm, I'm on the Scripture, and, and, and I just want us to know so that we have to confront that line of truth when we face this and that there's grace for this. See, this act, just like any of the commandments in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus who's the baby in the womb here in this moment, becomes a child. That child grows up, becomes known as the Son of God, even at an early age, walks through earthly ministry, fulfilling every prophecy ever spoken in the Old Testament, goes all the way to the cross, taking upon Himself all of our sin, including murder, upon his shoulders. He dies and three days later raises from the grave promising you and I the conquering of death and the grave so that when we die, we are in eternity with Him in heaven if we choose to follow Jesus. Not only that, He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live as sharers of this message to others, what the Bible calls witnesses, and that we can take this message to the world around us. Each one of us, those who follow Jesus, are are commissioned with this. And so, here we are in this position where I just want to pause again and say, if abortion is part of your story, be free through Christ. Don't let condemnation be whispered in your ear. Don't let that self-burden of, should I or shouldn't I have done that? I, I did it. I was a part of this story. Whether you were the one who had the abortion, whether you were the one who encouraged the abortion, whether you were the one who funded it, there's grace for you. Embrace that. Set yourself free today. Don't live under that condemnation. There's freedom for you through faith in Jesus. God values you enough to defeat that condemnation on the cross and the grave. So, choose to follow Jesus. The second thing that we can pull out of this that's so beautiful is this leap, the leap. When the angel appeared to Zechariah back in the beginning of the book of Luke, he was told something that has just come to reality in the life of the baby John in Elizabeth's tummy, right? Luke 1.15, the angel said, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Now, if you'll remember, Zechariah was doubted that, like, his wife could get pregnant. He's like, 
You know, they hadn't invented like Cialis and those things yet. So he's like, this can't happen, dude. I'm old, right? They're really old. And uh, so he's like, he, he's sitting here going, I don't know, angel, you sure we're well along in age? And the angel was like, since you haven't believed, you won't be able to speak until the baby's born. So at this moment, Zechariah is still not talking. So he's maybe not been able to share this with Elizabeth clearly, that the baby's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. And how is this going to happen? He's probably wondering, right? Silently. And then all of a sudden, at the sound of the greeting of Mary when she reaches the house, and when that greeting reaches the ears of Elizabeth, the baby in the womb leaped for joy. And Elizabeth herself even was filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, Zechariah is the only one who knows this, but I have to just imagine he was over there in the corner and he realized exactly what just happened. And he's like, Ooh, because I'm happy. You know, he's like, You guys don't know that song? Um, anyway, you know, it's just like, you got to watch that YouTube. How can you not smile when you see that, right? Clap along if you feel like room without a roof. Because I'm happy, happy. Kid President says, life is so awesome, sometimes you just got to dance, right? So we just got to, I'll keep going. Okay, here we go. Uh, the Zechariah had to have been a happy camper. Because again, it's one more fulfillment. He's thinking, man, I'm going to get my voice back. You know what else Zechariah must have realized in this moment? This is the first moment where a prophetic word is spoken in over 400 years by his wife. There's been silence from God, right? For over 400 years. And all of a sudden, there's a prophetic word, a word from God, and I'll talk more about that in a second. What's the potential of the Spirit within us, right? What's the potential here demonstrated uh, that could happen if we're full of the Lord's presence? Acts 1.8 says it this way, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses, right? In Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, we're supposed to be witnesses here, uh, across the street from here, when we go grocery shopping, when we go to Costco, and, and when we take a trip to the Super Bowl, whatever city that's in next year when the Seahawks win again. And when, you know, when we go to, uh, right, and to the ends of the earth, Indonesia. Wherever it is we find ourselves, we're supposed to be witnesses there. When we're, and we can do it through this filling of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be active witnesses. Because sometimes it just takes boldness for us even to pull out a piece of paper and say, love to have you over to our church on Easter. Here's an invite. Sometimes it takes a little boldness just to even open up the Bible app and public because somebody might look over your shoulder and see that you're reading the Bible. Or maybe you go to the Son of God movie as it releases this Friday in the theater, and you're like, somebody's going to find out I'm going to like watch a movie about Jesus. For some of us, that takes a lot of boldness. 
But for others, it's like, well, that's, I could carry my Bible right into Starbucks and open it up and start reading and, and not be freaked out by that. Well, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit in you that's helped you grow in that, that boldness over time. And, and we just never need to take that for granted. We need to thank God that He, he gives us the power to, to live out our witness in public. So let's look at this word, the next thing, the word, or maybe the prophecy, if you want. Elizabeth's loud voice, ex- exclamation, right? It says, and with a loud voice she exclaimed. This is nothing less than a prophetic word according to Scripture. What is a prophecy and And do we believe in this? Well, absolutely. Prophecy is a spontaneous act of inspired speech that God chooses someone to utter without, like, pre-qualification. It's just like, boom. There's one spot in the Bible where a donkey speaks. Seriously, happens. There's some cool stuff in the Bible. When you read about it, you're like, man, that's pretty sweet. Uh, I wish my donkey would talk to me sometime. <laughs> I'm so resisting using another word. Okay, here we go. So it's not necessarily a regular gift. Did I say that out loud? That thought came right out of my mouth, right? It's not in my notes. Uh, but there's these, these moments when, when God has us operate in gift, and it's, it's usually predictive in nature, the prophetic word. It's affirming the future that's going to happen, and it's a way God allows us to encounter His just divine insight into the future, right? Like, I've paved a way. This is going to happen, and we believe in this. We, we believe that this is for today, and uh, often while preaching, honestly, God will, will, will and when preparing a message, it's like there's prophetic words of faith that we speak out in your life as, as communicators, as preachers, we, we hear a word from God and we're sharing it to you. It should, it should reach into you because we're, we're helping you comprehend the Scripture. Now, many times when I speak, like a couple seconds ago, my wife would say, I'm not necessarily speaking the Word of God. I'm putting my foot in my mouth, right? And uh, so I do that too. But uh, that's why we have to weigh what's said, right? Words of prophecy should be uh, submitted to a test, if you would. Scripture tells us to test words that are spoken over us. So here, here's three quick steps. I don't think these are in your notes, but you could just jot them down really quick. If you want to test a prophetic word, like if somebody goes, man, I have a word from the Lord for you, brother, sister, right? And you're going, your weird meter's like, in the red, and you're just going, word for the Lord, you know, and, and they say something. Well, you can weigh it to see if it was really God. You can weigh it. You can, you can test it by Scripture. You know, does it, is this in Scripture? Does this align with the truth of Scripture? Um, you, can, you can test it with the church. The gifts of the Spirit are to build up the church, it says, in text, and then you could test to see if it's fulfilled. That's an easy one. Like, does it come true? If so, yeah, that was, that was God. Might take a while for you to figure that one out, but does it happen, right? And, and if it fails any of those three, 
feel free to let that weird meter stay in the red, right? That's a simple way of putting it. I think the simplest. And then finally, the blessing. The blessing. What is this? This moment in this text when Elizabeth says, blessed are you. Why is she blessed? Because she believed what the Lord said would be accomplished. She just trekked 100 miles into the hill country demonstrating her belief in the word of the angel. Do you read your Bible with this much faith? I mean, are we believing these words for our lives? Are we putting our trust in what God is saying to us? This is a word from God being spoken into Mary's life to affirm her belief in what was, was spoken to her would actually be accomplished. She must have felt good about that in her early pregnancy, right? Like, okay, I wasn't, it wasn't the pizza. So what does this encounter lead to? Again, the same thing that all fellowship with those experiencing God leads to. Praise. And sometimes even, as in the next passage, prophetic praise to God. Listen to this. Mary breaks in to song. She sings, because I'm happy. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what she sings. That was Pharrell. So Mary's song goes like this. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, speaking of herself, right? From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Wow, Mary, that's kind of feeling good about yourself there, right? But anyway, she's, she's just going for it. She's just worshiping. She says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She turns her praise to God, not herself, which we all feel good about there. Verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he has said to our fathers. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Man, Mary's song is nothing more than a big slideshow of the power of God. Not only in the past, but in the future. She herself was filled with this insight. Oh my goodness. God, you've done it. Everything I've ever grown up learning, you've done it. This is amazing. Imagine being in the room with them. I so want to see Zechariah in the corner. Because I'm pretty sure as a priest serving a small church in a little town in the hill country, he was probably breaking down, just weeping before God. The words of 
all of history are coming true right in front of me. I'm going to see the Son of God. Can you imagine? I would be a puddle in the corner. I'd just be weeping. And they lean into this blessed by God because of their faith that they're believing what was said would be accomplished. This is high drama. This is beautiful. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And life should feel like this. God's intent is that our life would feel this way. That we would have adventure after adventure with the Holy Spirit and see Him moving around us, healing people and freeing people and coming in and intersecting our lives and watching others become aware of His faithfulness. I don't know what your next step is today. And as you grab those connection cards out, maybe you need to forgive yourself like I needed to. Maybe today you just need to wait on the presence of the Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit as, and, 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 and to where you have boldness to witness and share the love you've encountered with Jesus to others because they need to know. Or maybe you realize you've been reading through the Bible, but it's more like a box you're just checking versus instructions you need to put your faith in, believing they would be accomplished. How much is your want to in your relationship with God? I just want to challenge you to hear from Him, and we're going to close with a worship song, and then Jaden will come up and Release us to our connect time in the back with some donuts or something to eat and connect with and share life with, kind of like Mary and Elizabeth did there. But I want to pray for you first before we sing. God, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to come together every week and grow in our relationship with you. I thank you that we can have moments of encounter where we share this like moment of, of your presence and, and we could just go and celebrate that and worship that, that Lord, you would allow your gifts to flow through us and build up the church just as they did in Mary and Elizabeth's house. Let us be broken by the words we see coming true, just like Zechariah must have been in that room that we may rise up and praise you like Mary did in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray.